Well, Christmas story has been around for a couple thousand years. Nothing new has been added to it, I don't think. Since the story first began 2,000 years ago, times and events have changed, but the story itself is not. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you have probably heard many sermons about Christmas. Anybody here not ever hear a sermon about Christmas? So what you're going to hear today is probably nothing new. In fact, Ecclesiastes tells us there is nothing new under the sun. So what I'm going to share today is nothing new, but it's always good to be reminded of what Christmas is about and what Jesus has accomplished. Now the story begins, and there's, we're going to use Matthew's account today. Matthew 1.18 says, Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the, rela- the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to go ahead and mar- with your marriage to Mary, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. When Joseph awoke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Luke has a similar account of that, and we're not going to go into the scripture part of that, We're going to look at something else a little bit different today. The birth of Christ, if you look at human history, the timeline of human history, the birth of Christ is the single biggest life-altering event in history. How many agree with that? Everything that has happened since then has been radically different because of Jesus' birth. Christ's birth has not really been in dispute even by people who don't believe. The date may not be as accurate as we like, but nevertheless, we focus upon the gift that God gave us, the reality of Christ's birth. Now, many have not attributed that significance to that coming of the Messiah, like we do. But there's an undeniable truth about the birth of Christ that everyone needs to at least know, if not acknowledge. If Jesus' birth was no big deal, just another baby, another good man, another prophet, how would the world be different today? What would be different if Jesus weren't born? How would the world be different if Christ were not born? I mean, does he make that big of a difference today? If you look at the world, you would think not. A lot of people think that it would end problems if Christ weren't born. No Christianity. No pesky Christians, no inquisitions, no Christians fed the lions, no manger scenes at courthouses, no pro-life or at rallies, nobody trying to close down places that shouldn't be around. In fact, if you know the song John Lennon wrote about it, imagine no religion too. And knowing John Lennon, I would imagine he meant no Christianity. We are celebrating the birth of Christ. What would it be like How would the world be different if he weren't born? 
As I was preparing this sermon, I found out there was actually a book out there entitled, What If Jesus Were Never Born? So the information that I'm gleaning today, I'm sharing with you, is a lot of it came from that book. So we're going to walk backwards through time to see what would be different if Jesus weren't born. You all seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, right? You see what happens when Jimmy Stewart's character didn't want to be born and how things changed simply because he wasn't born. Well, we're going to see what changes or what changes would happen if Christ were not born. So starting today, none of you would be here because this church wouldn't be here. None of you would know and have a relationship with Christ. None of you would have been saved or helped by other Christians. This church would be the, probably a parking lot right now. The families of those that are a part of our fellowship would not have been helped. People who have been married here would not have been married. Why would they need to be married? Christ instituted marriage. No Christ, no need for marriage. If you weren't saved here, you wouldn't have been saved anywhere. You would not have a relationship with Christ at any point in your life. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Imagine what you would be like if you were not a Christian. How was the trajectory of your life changed by knowing Christ? Imagine that's taken out. How would that affect the rest of what you did for the rest of your life? There would be no salvation, no Jesus to save us. Funerals would be meaningless because after you die, there'd be nothing, as some people believe. We would have no desire to be good people. How many realize that the Holy Spirit gives, that's what is the restrainer in the world today. Man left to himself is incredibly wicked and sinful. God's presence is only, the only thing that constrains us from being totally sinful. There would be no Salvation Army, no Christmas celebrations, no soup kitchens, no city missions, no Red Cross, no YMCAs. But that's okay because there wouldn't be any Pennsylvania either. Pennsylvania was named for a Quaker preacher named William Penn. If he were not in full-time service for the Lord, he would not have been given this land to settle and then would not have been able to name it Pennsylvania. He quoted by William Penn says, God that has given it to me, I believe, will bless it and make it a seed of a nation. Pennsylvania was named because Christ had an influence on William Penn's life. And William Penn was in full service for the Lord. God orchestrated that for us to be here today. Even if Pennsylvania were here, there would be no laws as we know them today. Laboring for Christ, Penn's frame of government for us in the new territory was, quote, to make and establish such laws as best preserve true Christian liberty and civil liberty in opposition to all unchristian practices. That was Penn's desire for Pennsylvania and how it ruled itself. So even before William Penn, America's laws were founded on Christian principles despite what you hear in the media today and in public schools The U.S. was basically formed on the Christian basis. Not every one of those signers was a Christian, but the majority of them were. In 1892, the Supreme Court, in an opinion, clearly states this. 
that the United States or America is a Christian nation. No Christ, no nation. We would not have the nation we have today. Look at every other country in the world as it exists today. How are we different from them? Beside being blessed beyond belief compared to everybody else, we would be just like everybody else. And we'd be sinful and wicked. It'd be Mad Max all over the world. So no Christ, no nation. The Mayflower Compact, which is known as the Birth Certificate of America, written by the first settlers at Plymouth, stated that they originally set out, this is their quote, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. America was discovered and promulgated because they wanted to spread the gospel. If we go further back than that, Columbus discovered America because as his own diaries reveal, he set out with a mission to preach the gospel to whatever country he came to. He also believed that the world was round. People in his day did not believe the world was round. They believed it was flat. Those were the experts in Columbus's day who thought the world was flat. What do the experts tell us today? Even 100 years ago, there's a saying that says, yesterday's medical books are today's joke books. Because the experts are always incorrect, as they were in Columbus's day. Why did Columbus believe the world was round? Because the Bible refers to the earth as being a sphere. What about education? And we hear a lot about that today. Most of the education we see in public schools, colleges, and universities are decidedly non-Christian. But their beginnings were just the opposite. Education was formed to teach people to read the Bible. In 1642 and 1647, the Puritans were the ones who passed laws requiring and establishing public education. Now, it's different than what we have today, but it mandated the towns hire and pay teachers to teach their children. In fact, the name of this law, and this is a kind of a weird name today, the name of the law was the Old Deluder Satan Act. You probably wouldn't have that in legal things today. And the reason they call it that is because they thought that Satan would be able to delude those who could not read and specifically could not read the Bible. If you can't read, you can't really know what God's word says and how to live. They stated that religion and morality and knowledge is necessary to good government. Now, what you hear in the news today is different than this, but Harvard, Yale, William and Mary, Brown, Princeton, New York University, and Northwestern were all started by churches. Dartmouth was founded specifically to train missionaries. William and Mary was created, quote, that the Christian faith might be propagated. Columbia, quote, the chief thing that is aimed at this college is to teach and engage children to know God in Jesus Christ. If Christ weren't born, none of these institutions would exist. Let's assume for a moment that they are. How has Christ helped us individually and as a society? I mean, how has his influence helped us as a whole? 
If Jesus weren't born and these institutions weren't around, how does it help us in a social fabric? Well, let's look at children. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God is for them such as these. Prior to Jesus coming, children were held in low esteem. They were basically property of their parents. And a man could do what he wanted to them because they were basically like chattel. Jesus gave children worth and meaning not only to society but to God. And when people saw that Jesus equated children's relationship to God as imperative, it changed how the world viewed children. In ancient civilizations and even today in some areas, abortion and infanticide is still practiced. How many know that? In the Old Testament, when God declared the detestable practices of Molech, how many remember reading that in your Bible? You ever wonder what detestable was for God? Detestable was sacrificing children on the altar of Molech. And that is the biggest reason that God sent punishment to Israel and Judah. Now we say that's terrible. I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch, I guess they was all like Roman gladiator type movies when they were on TV. And I remember them always throwing women into the fire as part of their thing. I don't, I don't get it, but that's what they did. Now we look at that and we laugh. And we think, that doesn't happen today. No one sacrifices to gods today. But we do. We sacrifice to the God of convenience. We sacrifice to the God of what I want, preference. Look at the abortion debate. A woman has the right to do with her body what she wants, correct? Forget everybody else's rights, babies have no rights. Isn't that what they said about African Americans 150 years ago? Same thing. They have no rights. They're not people. The Canaanites were also child sacrificers. The prophet of Baal and Ashtoreth were official murderers of children, and that's why God ordered their destruction. With the introduction of the church and the influence of Christ, these practices all but ceased in ancient countries. The church called for the unwanted babies to be brought to them, and they instituted their first orphanages. Jesus brought value to their lives. You think infanticide is different? There's a commercial out, it was never aired, but I saw it once. The TV stations won't air it. It was a while ago I saw this. And basically what it was is you see little Johnny, he's six years old on the stairs. And you see his parents talking. And ba- the conversation basically goes like this. You know, I think we're going to take Johnny down to, to the clinic. You know, I really don't think we need him anymore. I re- he's really a burden on our life. I think we, it's time to maybe end this parenting thing. And what they were talking about was the same thing as they, the same conversation they have for abortion. But they did it for a six-year-old to, to show the difference and to show the contrast in the thinking there. But for children, God brought value to their lives. And God condemned infanticide. But it still happens today. How many know that? I'll give you an example. You probably heard it a couple years ago. 
a couple had a handicapped child that needed a surgery to live. I remember that. The parents refused the treatment so the child would die. Hundreds of people called up to adopt the child, but a judge refused their request and allowed him to die. That's infanticide. It happens today. The God of expediency. The judge got to play God in that situation. This is what happens when Christ is not a part of the, the equation. The pro-life movement is almost all Christian-based. It is definitely all around the ideal that Christ tells us to defend those who cannot defend themselves. Even in remote areas where the gospel has not penetrated, infanticide is, is still practiced. But all studies show that whenever the gospel is present or presented in those societies, that stops because of what Jesus said. If there is no Jesus, why is infanticide wrong? What about women? To listen to most women's groups, you'd think Christianity is the worst thing to happen to women, except for men. The feminists feel that Christianity is the downfall of women. But exactly the opposite is true. In ancient cultures, and even some today, women are of little more value than children were. Property of their husbands and fathers. And don't we see that today? Muslim countries, the surgeries they perform on young girls and women, why? Because they're property. They're not people. In fact, in, in China and other places, girl babies are more valuable or less valuable than boy babies, and they sacrifice the girl babies and keep the boys. And it prompts the infanticide of many more ba girl babies than boy babies today. Again, an atheistic country. In the late 1800s, two women missionaries went to China to spread the gospel, but found out that female infanticide was commonplace. These ladies would comb the countryside in search of these babies who were abandoned and take care of them because Christ sent them there. Before Christianity came to India, widows used to be burned alive on their husbands' graves. All throughout America's history, there's been little doubt about our Christian heritage, although many are now trying to deny it. And while that may be leaving us, the blessing of God on our country is undeniable. Compare our country to any others in the world. Not because we are great, but because we have Christ. I believe that part of our blessing is because we are still, for the most part, we know what's right. We send out missionaries. Our goal is to spread the gospel. I think God's hand is on us for that reason. But I think... There's going to come a time where that hand's going to be gone. Look at all the other countries in the world. A Muslim country, Hindu countries, apostate Christian countries, atheistic countries. None of these countries experience the blessings that we have today. Most countries have nothing but wars. Hindus have nothing but extreme poverty and disease. Apostate countries have social unrest and no moral restraint. Look at France right now. Atheistic countries, Soviet Union fell, Hitler fell, China has forced abortions. What else is out there? 
What about Jesus' impact on science? Most people today say that science and Christianity don't, don't mix. You can't put the two together. But in fact, science has always been shown to prove out that Christianity is true over time. Some of our f- most famous scientists are Christian. Louis Pasteur was a believer. Isaac Newton, Blaise Pascal, Charles Babbage, Joseph Lister, among others, were Christians who were doing their, their thing, their science, in order to help people under God's direction. From science, we can go to medicine and healing. Jesus says, and great multitudes followed him and he healed them. The example of Jesus was the backdrop to the modern hospital movement. Hospitals were established as hospices at first to care for those who were dying, like Jesus did, and then eventually evolved into the hospital that we know today. Now, a lot of the hospitals are changing their names, but if you remember not too long ago, now I know from Pittsburgh, a lot of the hospitals are named in a Christian manner. There was a St. Francis, St. Margaret's, Presbyterian, Lutheran Hospital, Mercy Hospital, which was a Catholic hospital, Baptist Holy Cross Hospital, Holy Spirit Hospital up in Harrisburg, retirement homes, Presby Senior Care, the Methodist Home, the Lutheran Home, all started by churches. If there were no Christianity, if Christ was never born, if December 25th or whatever day you want to call it didn't happen, none of this would be established because everyone was established because God had prompted Christians to do the work. Charles Rosenberg, a professor of history, sociology, and science at Penn University, wrote a book called The Care of Strangers, The Rise of the American Hospital System. He wrote that the early hospitals were framed and motivated by the responsibilities of Christian stewardship. Florence Nightingale, founder of the modern nursing movement, was a devout woman taught by a German Lutheran pastor. Henry Dunmant was a Swiss banker and a Christian. He started the YMCA. He later founded the Red Cross. What's the symbol for the Red Cross? A Red Cross. The Christian symbol. Today, the U.S. sends out many Christian medical missionaries. Christians are the ones who help the hungry in third world countries. John 21, 25 says, and I suppose if all the other things Jesus did were written down, the whole world cannot contain the books. Now, we've just touched on a little bit of the, of the difference that Christ made in the world today and how radically different the world would be if Jesus had never been born. But I want us to think about one thing for a moment. There's a lot of things that Christianity had an effect on. Civil liberties, economics, families. Even today, if you look at families, even people who aren't believers for the most part, we know what's right. People know what the right thing to do is, and people really want the right thing. How did God change arts and music? Most of what we hear about both of those is bad, correct? But God created music. How many know that putting three notes together is neither good nor bad? It's like money. Money is amoral. It could be good for good. It could be used for bad. 
Bible says it's the love of money, that the root of all evil, not money. The same is for music. Music is amoral. You can do with it. You can make it evil. You can make it good. God created music, gave people the ability to sing, to play. If you look in the Old Testament, God equipped people with special gifts and talents to create and to build and to, and to structure. When they built the temple on all the artifacts, they had craftsmen do all those things. Bach, Handel, Vivaldi, and Mendelssohn were all believers. We all know Handel's Messiah. These composers were in turn influential on folks that followed them, Haydn, Mozart, Chopin, Wagner, Brahms, and others. One life touches another. So if Christ were not born, none of these things would exist today. But the most important thing for us to realize, and I asked this at the beginning, how is your life different than it would be if you didn't know Christ? Given the trajectory that your life was on when you came to know Christ, how is it different today? Where do you see yourself going if you didn't have Christ in your life versus where you are today because Christ is in your life? Now, some of you got saved when you were little kids. Awesome. That's a great testimony, by the way. But imagine if you didn't have the influence of your Christian parents. Where would you be? Think of the decisions that you made based on your knowledge and relationship with Christ. Decisions that you knew were correct because God was leading you. Versus how you would have made those decisions if you didn't take time to pray about them. If you didn't take time to understand what God wanted for you. How would you be different? The Bible tells us that our hearts are desperately wicked and evil. Who can know them? And that's us. So imagine the decisions and choices you would have made had you not had the power of God to direct you to make right choices. How would your life be different? Going back to the It's a Wonderful Life movie, Jimmy Stewart's character. Look at all the effects that just his presence brought to that town. And look how the town was now an evil, wicked town owned by if you know the movie, The Banker. And everything was changed. People's lives were ruined. Why? Because one man made a difference. And I look at that and I think, without Christ, that is our natural inclination to do things that are wrong. Without God, our choices are easy. We do the things that we want to do. How would you be like, what would you be like if Jesus were not born. We probably have an idea of where we might be. We celebrate Christmas and the birth of Christ. You know, those of us who've gotten saved later in life, and the Bible says those who have been forgiven much, love much, but I think everyone here can really relate to where you would be without Christ. And so we celebrate the birth of Christ and we realize what traumatic effect it had on us and who we are today. Where would you be had you not given your life to Christ at some point? How has Christ changed your life? 
Maybe you're here this morning, you've never really made that decision. You've never made that choice to accept Christ's forgiveness for you, to have your life transformed. The Bible says that we are all, when we become saved, we're new creations. The old person's gone, the new person's come. You can be radically transformed by the power of God into something that you never thought you could. Most of us who are Christians never thought we'd be where we are today. Rick, you ever think you'd be up here preaching? You'd be dead. All of us know where we would be if we didn't know Christ. If you're not, if you don't know Christ the way that we're talking about today, man, what better time to come to a relationship with Jesus than at Christmas time? I mean, we've used this illustration before, and I'm gonna close with this. Now, this is my, my go-to Bible. It's my beat-up one. I use it all the time. I, don't wanna, I have another one, but I don't want to throw it away. It's my beat-up Bible. But imagine if I wrap this up as a present, and I tell you that, here, this present is for you. I put it up here. It's all wrapped. It's got your name on a little sticker there. And you look at that and say, yeah, I believe that's a gift. And I believe that gift is for me. But if you walk away from that and you never take it and open it up, does that gift help you at all? No. Does it benefit you? No. Does it change your life? No, because it's simply sitting here unopened, waiting for you to take it. And that's exactly what salvation is. Salvation is a gift from God. God's wrapped it up in the person of Jesus and says, it's here. It's got your name on it. What are you going to do with it? You can say, you know, you can believe that gift is there. You can believe that, oh, yeah, I believe that Jesus is born. I believe that he's the son of God. But I'm not going to open the gift. I'm not going to choose to apply it to my life. Christmas time is the time we focus on what God has blessed us with. And if you leave a gift under a tree and you don't open it, it doesn't help you. The only way that Christ really comes in and changes your life is if you open the gift. If you say, Jesus, I believe this. You died for me. You saved me by dying for me. And I believe that you're the son of God. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. That's how you do it. It's more than head knowledge. It's heart knowledge. Would you bow your heads for a moment? If you are here today, maybe you've been in church all your life. Or maybe you're relatively new to church. And you're, you're curious about this Jesus thing. You, you've heard the stories. You've heard all that the Christmas events that happened. Maybe you didn't think about how the world would be different if Jesus weren't born. But even more important than that is how you would be different if Jesus weren't born. Jesus was born in order to change your life so that you can be somebody different than who you are today. You can be someone that you can be proud of. You're someone who God has a relationship with. You're someone that Jesus loves and cares for and you're able to love and care for him back. If you're here today, you've never really opened that gift. You believe it's there. Yeah, you've been in church but you've never really opened the gift. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything to you. And you want to. You want to really understand why 
us Christians have this excitement and zeal and fire about us? What is it about us you don't get? Well, that is the person of Christ. If you want to know Jesus like we know Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now. All right, I'm going to believe that all of us are committed followers then. Maybe you're here and you really don't, don't think of yourself as much. You don't think that you're a great asset to God. You're someone that God just kind of let in the door. But the truth of the matter is, if you were the only person who needed to be saved, if you were the only one who needed to be saved, Jesus would have still been born and so would have died for you. That's how important you are in God's economy. Jesus gives each one of us value and worth, not because of what we possess, not because of who we are or what title we have or what family we came from. Jesus gives you value and worth because of you, who you are. And Jesus came to make you into what he knows you can already be. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for giving us the gift of Jesus to change our lives. We all know where we would be without you. Or at least we have a good idea. And so, Father, we are so thankful that you radically transformed us. You allowed us to be where we are today because of your grace and mercy. And Father, as we celebrate Christmas this year, we realize the tremendous effect you've had on our lives. And we are just thankful that we're, we are where we are and not where we could have been. All your blessings have been poured upon us, Lord. We receive them and we are thankful for them. And we're most thankful that we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father who gave his best in order that we might have that relationship. Now, Lord, I pray your blessings upon each person as we leave today. Let your Holy Spirit accompany us out through the door and allow our lives to make a difference in the community in which we live and the people with whom we interact. And we will thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great Christmas. Don't forget Christmas Eve candlelight service tomorrow at 6 p.m. It won't be long, half hour, 45 minutes. We want to celebrate what God's done in our lives as well.